0: Hey guys, this is John, and welcome to another episode of the Jistics podcast. Now, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see uh, I'm not alone, but I don't have Austin. We've got uh, repeat guests, uh, one, both of you have been on multiple times. The last time they were on together, things got a little bit out of hand. Uh, with that in mind, we are drinking IPAs today, but these are well-being non-alcoholic IPAs. <laughs> so we we're going to stick more to normal meat processing things. No, I just kid. Uh, Last time we talked to them, we had a bunch of great stories of Walton's back in the day. Great things from customers. And we have some more information we want to pull from their heads. So I've got with me today, Brett Walton, who is CEO, owner. Do you have any other ones? CEO and president of Walton's. (laughs) And we've got Mr. Kurt Carter. Kurt is our, what is your title? Indentured servant. (laughs)
1: White trash, hanger on, Zink. begging for retirement.
0: I swore these were non-alcoholics. <laughs> Somehow he's already started. Um, no, I have seen Kurt try to leave in the middle of the day numerous times and get tackled on his way out and <laughs> shepherded back to his desk. So there might be something there. But we're going to let them uh, start telling stories. Uh, well, actually, maybe a little bit less story, a little bit more what we learned from what you guys
2: did. Are you like senior account manager?
1: Yeah, I have managed the account for seniors. <laughs> you, could,
0: you could tell that title is very important to him. He really it's cares about it. It's a peer job. I just yeah. So let's go back real quick, Kurt. Uh, if you did not listen to the first one, the joke was shame on you. Kurt came with the company. He was going to want to go back and listen. He's got out. to go back. Yeah. If if the intro or intro I gave to it doesn't interest you, then. Still go back and listen. It was an hour and a half to two hours of just absolutely a great time. Some hilarious stories. Best the, on
2: a long drive.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> That'll eat up the miles. Uh, best with a beer.
0: Favorite one. And a long drive. Was either the the llama, not being a deer, or the bull on the golf course. Hey, spoilers. They got to they well, go, go li- back and they listen. Gotta, they I gotta gotta go gave listen. two little <laughs> tiny things yeah, from that's it. Right. Well, I'm happy actually, a the story,
1: too, because I said, do I tell a story about the llama Still, and then I told the story. Yeah, (laughs) blew the punchline.
0: And then I blew one somehow, saying, "So tell me about baseball bats and emus (laughs) or something like that." No, no, emus are the Clippers. Yeah, you have to go back to get all of these. They're all worthwhile listening stories, but we kind of cut it off there, and there's definitely more to tell. So, with that in mind, I know you guys have talked a little bit about what you want to discuss today. So, I will mostly turn it over to you, and I'll just act as the
2: audience. Let's go. Oh. Well, what we, one of the things we talked about that we didn't get to last time, because you cut us off in such a short time, is you know exactly what's on the table here in front of us today. Um, do you explain that to the people that are watching? Vienna or do we sausage. just kind of go you ahead and eat? can see where he so. scratched them on the side of the can.
0: This is a ridiculous amount of lying from you. These are not <laughs> Vienna sausages. So uh, these are two... Flavors of Sausage that are going to be at Bratfest, which is on the 20th at our Wichita location. Come down, have a great time. Tons of activities for the family. Lots of things for kids to do this year. Uh, We also are selling a full lunch.
2: Brett's in the dunk tank. Well, I was going to say, and the thing is, too, if they really don't like our podcast, Kurt and I both will be in the dunk tank, and they can throw stuff at the... And and Dunkus, if they really hate the podcast.
0: <laughs> if they really don't like the podcast, I think it'd be Austin and I that they'd be coming after more. I mean, you guys are on it occasionally and probably two of the better episodes. Your one episode, the one where you were both on, is our best performing YouTube one. Most so. people have watched that on YouTube. Not Download it, but on YouTube. So, so they, they
2: watched it. Yeah. Not just listen. They watched they it. They watched it. They Must be wanted to see you. looks that drive that, <laughs> Kurt.
0: But what we've got here is I have a Philly bratwurst that has Swiss cheese in it. And I've got Inferno bratwurst with ghost pepper cheese. Now, the Philly has quickly become a favorite of a lot of Walton's employees when we're talking about like a, a somewhat traditional bratwurst, right? Like not anything that's going to burn your lips off or have like some real crazy taste.
1: The Philly bratwurst. Is one of the best smoked sausage, but it has nothing to do with the true identifier of as a bratwurst. Okay, bratwurst has a very specific flavor profile. Yes.
0: Oh. Okay, but it's on the package bratwurst. So <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: on a package. Some,
0: I can cut us some slack. Really? There.
2: Can you? Yeah. What does? Do you remember off the top of your head what it has to? What's it has to be in it to label it bratwurst? I believe there is cardamom believe there is
1: garlic, white pepper, and most of the time, sometimes it's even a veal product. It's definitely pork. Sometimes there's milk in it. But I know yeah, the but Bratwurst the, for is for the labeling very, requirements. I can get yeah. my labeling specifications. off
2: the top of your head. I just – get off the
1: top of your head. Bratwurst is a very mild sausage right, traditionally.
2: That's, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. And I, as I was pointing out there, the, the very good stuff, that which is the Philly, um, we've just had a chance over the last twenty-five plus years to taste a lot of unbelievable great products uh, from you know small to mid-sized processors all across the country. Kurt and I both have been in you know who knows how many hundreds or a thousand different plants and working with different customers nope. and and we, we last time we kind of talked about crazy stories, <laughs> but we've also you know been around a lot of, of really uh, well-run businesses uh, that make great product that feed a lot of people in the country and uh and along with that you know is is also then um the competition stuff whether you're at a state competition or the national competition um, which would be, you know, state meat processor associations or the American association of meat processors. And Kurt's done a lot of, a lot of judging. I've done a little, uh, worst fest is a great thing. Tell them about worst fest and how that works. Kurt. And
0: get right up on the mic. Yep. Just like
1: that. Worst fest is put on in Herman, Missouri, the third weekend of, it's winter time, March, March. I think March. it's the last weekend in March. And, uh, it's an incredible event. It's worth for a Herman is a German community. It's a wine area, wine region. And they have a local competition that has two categories for amateur and professional. And people enter it. There's hundreds of entries, uh, some of the most bizarre stuff you'll ever see in your life. Um, and they're judged. Uh, it's a big bragging right for the commercial processors to win the best of show. They get a hand-etched bottle, and it comes with a lot of bragging rights and publicity. But they'll have lines of people stand in line to sample products from all the different vendors. Uh, When you judge at Worst Fest, you really have no idea what you're going to judge. Um, I actually judged an octopus. Oh, wait, wait, like an octopus sausage? No, it was an octopus. Oh, wow. Somebody had just... Taken an octopus, clipped the head off like you're supposed to, mm-hmm. eviscerated it, and grilled it. And so there was a paper plate with an octopus okay. on it. And so I got. We
0: to, did octopus. I liked it. I, I thought it was to, good.
1: This was too chewy. Was it it? Was, yeah. And I played with it and <laughs> waved to people walking by.
0: We've got a picture of an octopus on my shoulder.
2: I love your wound you're showing us, too, by the way.
0: Yeah. Right before we started doing this, I was using a steel, and I was very distracted and thwack, got myself.
2: Wow. That's shocking. Isn't it? <laughs> that's yeah. what I said. No, that you cut yourself. Now,
0: exactly. hold on a second. I do want some credit because hey, it's been the, months since the last time I cut myself.
2: Oh, I was going to say, this is Tuesday. You made it all the way to Tuesday <laughs> this week without months. cutting yourself. I actually, we were
1: talking <clears throat> about meat judging. I actually cut myself at a meat judging competition. And that's embarrassing as can be. So I'm oh, trying to hide the blood, trying to find a Band-Aid, not asking anybody where the Band-Aids are, but very surreptitiously and dripping blood on the counter and wiping it off. <laughs> <laughs> but I was cutting snack sticks because when I judge snack sticks, you always want to open it up so you can see the entire product from top to bottom. And this one snack stick was case hardened and it was like cutting through a piece of wood dowel. Yeah. And I was cutting it, and it rolled. And I sure. just made a nice little nick off the end of my finger. Fortunately, I went undiscovered, and uh, I lived. But that was embarrassing.
0: <laughs> and maybe some people got some extra moisture on their snacks stick. Well, the, iron, the iron content was up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about judging sausage a little bit. When we're doing it for the retail guy at home, we don't really pay attention to what the interior of the sausage necessarily is going to look like. But when you're judging it for a competition, when you cut crosswise into it, what are you looking for?
1: First thing you do um, in commercial judging, you always look at the exterior appearance first. Um, So a lot of the sausages are judged fresh. So you get to see what the casing looks like fresh. You get to judge it by how the ends are, if they're clipped, if they're open, um, if there's a lot of whiskers on it. Uh, you can tell the particle definition when you look through it, and then they cook it. And then when you cook it, you want to look at your particle definition. Uh, you want to look for collagen. You want to look for sinew or any connective tissue because mm-hmm. you can see that because it'll whiten, it'll harden when you cook it. Um, when you cut it open, you want to see with a cooked sausage, you want to see just how everything looks. You know, if if you say there's a cheese in the sausage, you want to see the cheese, but then you don't want to cut it open and have it be yellow. Right. You want to see a good balance. If it's a hot sausage, you want to see particle definition with the red pepper in it. Um, you want to see, like if it's an andouille, you want, it's a little fattier sausage. And you want to see the pepper in it. You want to see the fat content. You want to see that it's all bound together. But that's, it's a beauty contest in a lot of ways.
0: What about swirling? No. This is not something you well, guys worry about. Well, you're not going to see the smear.
1: You'll okay. see the smear in the fresh. Is that what you're talking no, about? You're well, talking
2: about your horn.
1: Yeah. Swirl. And you'll see the smear on the on the fresh, but you won't see it so much when it's cooked because that grease and stuff is going to is going to cook out okay. and blend in with the sausage. But you can definitely see it in the fresh state when you're that's why we like to look at it fresh first so you can see how it looks. You can see if you you know what when it smears, you've got that smooth texture, you've got that inconsistent texture, mm-hmm. and you can tell either either they used too small a horn, the product was warm, um, it you know, they may have mixed it too much for a fresh sausage. So those are the things you look at on the outside.
2: So but we were talking about all the great stuff. I do have to throw this one bit in on Worst Fest, and, and Kurt has a similar one from Worst Fest. So I judged it one time. Kurt's done it multiple times. Um, and they assigned me and and then the other guy that was doing it with me um different classes and one of them was brown and i love it so i'm like great well we got to one and we cut into it and and i believe this they they have the two they have uh the home processor and the commercial processor. this was a home processor one and it cut into it and the inside was running out oh and i was like oh no and that sounds really terrible it was really terrible yeah the rest of them though oh my goodness i'm just sitting there eating (laughs) piece after piece of it it was awesome
0: do you like do you like your braunschweiger to the point where you can spread it or do you want it to stay and it's just round form even if you hold it
2: well uh, i mean yeah i don't want it too soft to worry you See, used. I live for Brunschweiger.
1: I love Old World Sausage. That's <clears> why they always throw me with the blood swassers, the Blutwurst, <clears> the head cheese, the sauce. They always put me there because they know that's my life. But I like a nice, firm Brunschweiger. I don't like it with particulars. I don't like it with pistachios or anything. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. No, yeah,
0: I agree on I just that. Like yeah.
1: a, I always go to the Brunschweiger table and argue with the judge. We have fun. <laughs> Every single year, we sit there and get in fights. He looks for me to come over and pick fights with him on it. But I had one like Brett that all I did was took a knife and poked a hole in the top and squeezed it out. And the, the guy at the head of it goes, yeah, you don't have to do that. One. <laughs> but the thing about Worst Fest and Brett and I, when we first started in this business, we'd have people from Missouri say, hey, I'm hanging some sausage in my garage. and I'm like, yeah, you're an idiot. You're going to kill people. That's the craziest black magic thing I ever heard. I didn't know people did that. Well, now we're judging it at Worst Fest.
0: So that's back a that's back in the 90s no well no? Yeah, yeah 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 when i first
1: started right yeah
0: and that's retail guys yeah who are doing that yeah. yeah so growing up in upstate new york all the old italian men hung their sausage in the basement from like september to whenever it was done and i just thought that was fine until i started working here and i was like oh no that's like really really bad now that time of the year in New York, it is probably mm-hmm. the correct temperature for it. But it's a total
2: crapshoot. It's a, yeah. yeah. It's a roll of dice. Yeah. Well, it's got, really, really great or maybe not. Or someone's yeah. going to the hospital. Yeah. I've got commercial customers in Missouri that
1: do it professionally. Mm-hmm. I've got mm-hmm. one that even has a HACCP so he can sell it. And when they do it, it it's beautiful. Right, it's, it's so good. But I got stuck judging the amateur class of sausage and... You could drive nails with every single one of them. I'm not a fan of smoke, and they were all so heavily smoked. Your hands stunk like nah. smoke for a week. It's worse than diesel fuel. They were all so hard, and I'm judging with probably one of the premier meat men in the United States. He's one of the few Americans that's got to judge at IFA in Europe, a gentleman named Ed Woods. Okay. And I'm raking these poor sausages <laughs> over the cold. as like, come on, Carter, lighten up. I go, oh, you but because I've had the good stuff. Right. And I know with a lot of work, a lot of effort, these guys need corrective criticism so they can make the good stuff. But man, that was one of the most brutal judgings I've ever had to do in my entire life.
0: Now I'm somewhat envious that they're just a state away, but apparently there is something in Missouri that during the months of September, October, November, they have like the perfect humidity and temperature combination that we don't have here because sometimes I feel like Kansas they hang is hands. cursed. They'll they, hang, they hang everything over there.
2: Southern parts. Southern parts of Missouri? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Well. South south of 70, yeah. Guess yeah. I don't urban, know they do it Southwest. No, I don't know
1: and Washington and Swiss, mm-hmm. they all air hang and, yeah. and uh, so does Lyon and they're all south of 70.
2: Yeah. So there is something about the, yeah, the temperature and emitting everything down there, it makes it perfect for yeah. it. But so, what
0: do per- you what do you get for judging? Like you arrive at an event, Fat. I assume they've asked you
2: wine. at a time. Okay. <laughs> wine so, and so so. remember to take are, home or just there's, wine? There's vineyards they? all around there. So, what they do is they bring out your choice of bottles of wine if you're going to judge because you have to cleanse your palate. Sure, in between. Yep. And which can be a very dangerous thing if you, you know, just go ahead and have that sip of wine. So it's better to have a bucket there and spit it, spit it out, right. which, which seems kind of strange to be spitting out wine. But you can do it with apple juice, too. But the wine is there. So <laughs> every yeah. year, some for you, some for me. You There's know, no way that.
0: I'd be able to spit it out. No. That and, would end poorly.
2: And I can. Most
1: wines mm. But my favorite wine is a Norton, and it's expensive wine from that region, and it's a grape from Missouri. One year, the lady in charge thought she was doing me a favor. She hid two bottles of Norton under my chair. I don't have good filters. (laughs) They were for me to take home. There was no Norton left for me to take home.
0: Drink <laughs> so it all right That there. was the
1: year that Kurt showed the shiny side of his <laughs> hobby. There's always one judge that does. <clears throat> I was telling Brett that we were talking about those dry age sausages. The first one I'd ever had a customer gave me. And you learn after a long time, sometimes you don't take things from customers. And he gave me this sausage wrapped in aluminum foil. I'm like, that's interesting. interesting. I said, should it be refrigerated? He goes, no, nah, no, nah, you don't have to refrigerate it. Okay. So, I drove outside of town and got a knife and I cut it open and it looks scary ugly on the inside. So, I called my friend, Mike Sloan. (laughs) I said, Mike, you know those sausages you make? Yeah, I got one that's red in the middle and when I cut it, it kind of pulled apart like connective tissue. And he goes, yeah, coyote chow. Throw it out the window and just keep
0: going. (laughs) What was the word you said there?
1: Coyote chow. Oh,
0: coyote chow. He said
1: they had dried it too fast. And so it had cased hardened okay. and it kept yeah. shrinking and contracting from the outside, but it's sealed so the inside wasn't cooking
0: anymore. Right. So that's important what case hardening is. It's not as simple as the casing hardening. The outside of the meat either cooks or dries too quickly, and you can no longer effectively pass heat in or pass moisture out. So you have that. You have something that's yeah. overcooked or overdried on the outside and can still be raw on the inside. Um, so go ahead
2: well i was just going to say so you know not only like worst fest but then the state competitions and and you know i said kurt's done a lot of judging and stuff but first we had to experience a lot of those we had to learn that first so we went we've been to a lot of the state uh association conventions that that and uh spent time looking at product tasting product asking what's wrong until the point where you know what's wrong and then you can judge you can teach what's wrong but it takes a lot of years of going and looking going to classes uh every one of the state association uh conventions as well as the national uh, convention (laughs) uh, all have classes that kurt and i went to for (laughs) i say 25 years and and to learn about all kinds of different processes and what Different ingredients do, and 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 what are problems and how to solve them. Um, uh, Burns Flat, Oklahoma. I used to have a was that a Votek? Would you call that mm-hmm. down there? That what, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. a high school vocational school. Oh, they're trying to start
0: yeah. that that or something like it back up.
2: Right. Really? Yeah. So for years they put on a, a an event down there that processors from around the country would go to all small processors, and so we would go to that every year. Kurt, I don't know how many years you got in before they stopped it um i think and, it was
1: 10 or 11 yeah a lot of notebooks
2: yeah so uh and that was like all day friday all day saturday and wrap up sunday morning type deal that was a great great learning experience for us because there was a lot of really um experienced processors there and uh you know a lot of you know most of what kurt and i know we learn from our customers well yeah. what's neat was
1: um, Iowa state, Dr. Coidre from our state put it on. And a lot of his graduate students who came and helped are now doctors in the industry running universities. And that's one of the things that really helped me <clears throat> is that I developed a database. And so there's a lot of things I don't know. So someone did call me up and say, this sausage did this. And mm. if I look at my notes and I can't find anything, I can call someone up. Who's probably made that same mistake and, and find a solution, find a, a cure for their problem. And so we do learn a lot. And Brett knows a lot of the same people where we can call them up all the time and say, hey, you know, this did this. And they go, yeah, 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 just do this. And we've done hands-on stuff with customers in their plants before manufacturing product. We've done stuff here in our test kitchen. You've made a lot of product and, and you learn a lot from your mistakes. And sometimes the credo at all eats isn't
0: really true no that is accurate i think i've only ever thrown away one thing pretty sure that's accurate um so that's burns burn flats but you as the owner of walton's send at least a certain subset of employees every year to a short course uh, so that we can learn more about sausage making everything meat processing um back in the day were you attending those? Did you used to go to those short courses? I never have.
2: No, I've never attended one of them. You? No. No. I'm sure they had them. Yeah, they had them. But
1: we We, just didn't. Um, We we went to Burns Flat. We went to the state shows. But I don't know why we didn't go. I think Uh, maybe we... I do. It
2: costs a lot of money. Yeah, they're (laughs) not
0: cheap. It costs a lot of money to go. I've seen the bill.
2: And and if you remember this, so back in the day when Curt and I were learning all this stuff, we were also doing purchasing, answering the phone, sure. cleaning the toilets, you know, all the other things, yep, too. Yep. There wasn't a lot of other people around here besides us, too. So We, we earned uh, your luxuries. We, we, you know, we, you know Fair? I, I probably went over that before, but when we first started, you know, I would go on a road a week, then he would go on a road the road a week. Both of us couldn't be gone at the same time. We didn't have enough vehicles, <laughs> and one of us had to be here to answer the phones. So, and to ship
0: things out. the to ship and yeah, pull out. orders and yep. stuff.
2: So, so, yeah, for us then to go to a separate class like that now we still went to conventions and a lot of conventions we work together and if there was you know excuse me at the national convention they maybe have classes multiple classes at the same time so we would get together and go okay i'm going to this one you go to that one and then we'll share notes you know next week on what we what we uh learned So we try to get as much information as possible. And now all of our sales, all of our commercial sales guys, which I believe there's eight now, all of our commercial salesmen, when they go to a convention, they're they're requested to do the same thing that Kurt and I did all the years. Go to the classes, keep learning, keep learning.
0: Yeah, you told the story of the first time you went to a convention together. And while everyone else went to a class, you guys had your... You know, combo competition,
2: Olympics, or whatever, uh,
0: whatever you want to call it, and then you came back and they asked you questions about it, and you're like, "Oh, whoops, should have been (laughs) doing that." Yeah, yeah, but you should have seen me hit the anthill. (laughs) (laughs) You'll not. You could learn that information again. You'll never get that memory back if you didn't. make it. but
1: you know, it's it's one of the things I preach incessantly to commercial customers is to go to AMP and go to the cured meat competition room. There is so much you can learn by looking at other product, asking questions, the people that made it. Uh, the second best thing is inner product. Um, the first year you might get your tail kicked and they might just rip you to shreds. I said, But that's valuable information because they'll give you a score sheet and they'll say, this is what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And what's great is you can go up to the person who won and say, OK, this is what was wrong. How do I fix this? And in, there's a lot in the commercial world to a good looking product because people buy with their eyes, um, and how you package it how you present it. And that's what you could learn from these meat competitions. That's what you can learn by talking to the judges who do it. And in, in the, in the retail world, maybe not so much, but you still want to put a good
2: looking product out Absolutely. there. You still want to brag and thump your chest yep. that look at what I did. Yep. And, uh, remember, like the, the Colorado, conven- Colorado, Wyoming convention, Doctor Means used to do, where um <clears throat> at the end of their count, once they had awarded all the uh, awards for the uh, the first place and so forth, um then everybody would go into the into the classroom and he'd will out the product on these r- tables, these rolling tables, and he'd be like, okay. See this bratwurst here? Whose is this? <laughs> he was like, this is, you know, John, this is yours. You know what's wrong with this? And I mean, he would like go through the whole thing. And some people, I think, cringed at it. But I was in there going, this is awesome. Yeah. Ron, because he would tell you exa- exactly what w- what the judges saw and why your product needed to be better. Ron Richards in Montana did it. Oh, and he called yeah. it, come to Jesus.
1: Yeah, And I mean, everyone would. They'd come in. And there were actually people that if their product wasn't up there, they'd get it and bring it out. Just so Ron would beat him up, but yeah.
2: there was a learned. lady up there too before. Um, maybe you didn't go up there then. There was a lady before from, Ron from. Well, she was from Montana. It was a state or. Yeah, Montana. Yeah.
1: She's she's in charge now that Ron passed away. Jean. Uh,
2: yeah, she was in on that too. Yeah, yeah. Just, but you know what? Hey, that's how you learn. Anything, is is you make your you you your, you do your best, and then somebody tells you critiques you, so you can get better. Um, yeah, that's absolutely. Isn't that what our, isn't that what our customer, that's what the customers do. I mean, that's really, if you're manufacturing a product and putting it out there, your customers are kind of doing that to you, you know, Hey, this is what I like about the product mm-hmm. or this, or if they don't buy it, you might want to ask why they don't buy it or if, if they don't, they don't bring buy an it again. Back. Yeah. Right. If They
0: don't bring an animal back to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I imagine repeat business for our commercial customers is the name of the game. You have to have those people keep going mm-hmm. back. The cost of acquisition for new customers across all businesses continues to go up. Now, um, I had that conversation with Travis last week, and Have you listened to that yet, by the way? The no, I oh. have not. Interested with your reaction to it for numerous <laughs> <Great>. reasons. He <laughs> let me get a little ranty in the middle, but don't worry okay,
2: about I'll, it. I'll call him.
0: Uh, just, just listen to it first. He did fine. Um, but one of the things on that podcast that we talked about was how far out commercial customers are booked. He asked me, is it still as bad as it as it was? My response was, no, it's no longer, you know, it's not like two years anymore. Did these come in or do you have an advanced one? Sorry about that. Brett has a MeetGistics Tumblr. Are these in stock? No. Oh, okay. You got an advanced copy. It's a
2: special. That
0: Brett makes one. sense. That, I'm not, okay. I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, well, sorry, we were just talking about cost per acquisition for a new customer. Is there uh, any like feeling in the industry where a is the time out you have to schedule to get a beef in coming down? So I
2: I, I have an answer for that, okay. but it's just my own. I don't know if Kurt would agree with it or not. It has come down from what it was, but I think that was not a real number because what was going on was i was calling you and going hey I, can i get a beef in and you'd say yeah what 18 months from now i go okay well put me on the list then i call kurt and go kurt when can you get me in and he would say, 16 months well i'd keep both of those there was a lot of that gotcha. going on and i think we've now it's still like a year for a lot of well, people but you know it's not for everybody but a
0: year is doable right now <clears throat>
1: i can tell you three different stories i've got customers <clears throat> that'll take a beef tomorrow that I've got customers who are scheduled out one week. There's kind of an obvious reason why they are. I've got several customers who aren't scheduled out after the first year because they refuse to be. They're not taking any beef. Okay. Just both, almost all of them said somewhere around the middle of December, they'll open up for 23. I've got two customers right now that I've talked to recently that are scheduled out July and August of 23. Um, A lot of customers are gun shy for exactly what Brett said. You know, they'll pack a schedule. and Then some guy goes, oh, yeah, I took those four hogs in two weeks ago. And they won't call and tell people they've done it. Why
0: would they not call and tell them? Because they're Just laziness.
1: It's humanity. It's the lowest common. I mean,
0: I understand having Mm -hmm. doubling up just to make sure if something falls through with this, I have that. But once A has gone through, common courtesy is... Mm-hmm. To call B I think and the say common hey, common courtesy,
2: yeah. of watch you. So, so those numbers were inflated. Okay, um, but what percent I don't know, but I know some of it. Some of it was. So okay. I think I think you know just like our business. I mean, with with the, with the amount of increase we had over the last two years was was crazy. You know, crazy growth. Yep. But now it's kind of leveled off to what the new normal. It didn't drop back down to pre-COVID. It's the new normal. Yeah for uh, our industry, which is, you know, small to mid-sized meat processors across the country.
0: Well, so it's the new normal until the next big thing happens. Well, there's a big thing
1: happening now. With the sell-off. Well, a drought. Um, I got guys in Texas that can't feed cows because there's nothing to feed them. Um, Buying silage is just way too expensive. So, and then the feed yards bring them in Well, they're feed, they got to truck it in. It's expensive. You got to keep the cattle watered. And so the drought's starting to affect some of it, only the fact that there's nothing to cut. Um, I know that some people are experiencing that trying to bring animals in early because they can't afford to feed them. Yep. So they're looking for the earliest slaughter harvest date that they can get because they can't afford to feed the animals anymore. Guys I've talked to said fair numbers <clears throat> were down. And they didn't know if that's just because people don't want to mess with raising them or kids don't want to raise them. But I had a lot of customers tell me that the numbers they bring in from fares were lower than they usually are.
0: And I'm shrinking. Yeah, you are going down. No, I'm fine with it. Stay. <laughs> it's starting to feel tall. <laughs> I'm still up. Kurt realized there was a problem when he was looking up <laughs> yeah. to me. He's like, oh, that's not ever accurate. I just kept noticing like, wow, this is... Weird. I think I'm watching it happen again in real time. Yeah, so, I'm too fat uh, for the
2: chair. <laughs> <laughs> we do have to replace those chairs. We got a load term. limit on it. But okay, so oh, we can fix it. We'll just we, put a two by four hundred Nobody will see.
0: We're having a a sell off <clears throat> a large portion of the cattle herd right now. It takes three or four years to, in optimum conditions, to reestablish those numbers. Um, in those three or four years, there's going to be some real interesting things happening
2: it but it, that kind of that we see that over the last twenty five years I've seen yeah. that happen yep. over and again. you know it goes up, goes down, it does not affect overall the whole country Mm -hmm. small processors yes it does this pocket over here and then it's this pocket over here and then it's up here and you know that's always going on where guys get slower but some other guys somewhere else in country get busy and for overall we don't see the big change like we saw it during COVID. that was unusual could there be another unusual event could be could be no but I wasn't expecting that one, though, either. So I'm not I'm not pre- prepared to double again in the next few years. So
0: No, I tell people all the time that the last, the from the beginning of COVID and then two years out, it was basically white knuckle time around here. Everybody was just trying to, like, not let things fall through the cracks or fall apart. So somebody asked me the other day, we advertised with them. He's like, you know, how has business been? And I was like, it slowed down a little bit. And he's like, You don't sound terribly disappointed about that. I'm like, well, it's nice to sell things, like, but it's also nice to be able to like plan and,
2: you know, address issues. Well, for you know, for many years, we went through we're we're, we're a seasonal company because we're the busiest from September through January with wild game harvest. Um, the rest of the year just normal beef and pork and uh, those kind of animals. Um So we've always been kind of seasonal, slow in the spring and the summer and then ramp up for the fall and the winter. Um, What we saw the last couple of years was there was no spring and summer. It was just crazy all year round. It was just crazier than crazy in October and November. Um, So we got we really had no time to just kind of catch our breath. And we always, you know, had had. Fought real hard, worked real hard through October, November, December to fill orders, take care of customers. And then we typically would have some discussions about February and March about what didn't go well, what should we do better, you know, those kind of things. And and we wound up there for two years. We were, almost didn't have time to do the step back and go, okay, how how are things going? Because we just kept getting hammered. Yeah, when, I, I, s-
0: you, when I started here uh, the first <clears> – <throat> three, two and a half, three years, I was in customer service. During those slow seasons, we would have projects to work on that were not necessarily mm-hmm. related to customer service just to like have work for us to do right? so that we wouldn't go have to go from three agents down to two or how, whatever it would have worked out to. Um, yeah, the post-COVID world looks like that's not going to be as much of an issue.
1: Brett will remember this because I was talking to a couple old-timers they remember it used to be in the old days, lockers would shut down for a week in July. Mm. Everyone took vacation at the same time. They do maintenance, then they'd open back up at the end of July. That's the one guy goes, yeah, we don't do that anymore. We just, you take a vacation and then you take a vacation. He's like, we can't let people off at the same time. And he's just the same thing. It's just a new world. It's a new lifestyle for us. And he goes, we just haven't slowed down.
0: Well, our customers doing well um, we have an interesting relationship with our customers because obviously we want them to do well as they continue to grow we continue to grow when we're going we're talking about these burn flats classes can you think of a few specific things that you learned at those classes is classes the right term for burn yeah. flat What do we yeah. at those classes that mm-hmm. were then able to pass on to customers where you remember them being like that's great information or I didn't well, know
2: that. I, one of the things that I always thought was really cool down there. I mean, it was hands on stuff. They had, they had smoke houses and they had, you know, you know, like our test kitchen type setup. Um, and, and we did one one year um, with fat content and I can't remember. I think we made bratwurst. I don't even remember what we made, but we made one with 40% fat and one with like, uh 25% fat and then one at like 10% or something. And and then we got to taste them. 40% fat. Oh yeah, that's the best tasting one. But it makes you really realize how much that fat adds to the flavor profile. And the 10% one, nobody wanted to eat that. <laughs> you know, so people think they want to buy really super lean. No, buy something better. Maybe not 40%, but buy sure. something better. Just don't eat as much yeah. because that is. Uh, You know, that 10 percent was too lean and it just it it was not as uh, flavorful as the other. And then we did we did some stuff down there, too, with binders. Yeah, that was the coolest one. Yeah. You you might explain it better.
1: Well, we were talking about different. We were using soy at the time and we were making a variety of products. We actually made a ham that was 40 percent water. Mm. We were making different okay. loaves, so we made a roast loaf that was twenty percent and thirty percent. And then pork products—they were called hams, but you had, technically they were pork products. They had too much water in them, but we actually made a ham that was forty percent water, very pale. And what's funny? Not long after that class, I was in Myers up in Kansas City, <clears throat> and they had a ham that was forty percent water, packaged. That they—they they basically are sandwich meat, and that's what they sell them as. It's just. Something you want to put between a piece of bread with cheese and a tomato. and
0: Can you call it, with labeling, can you call it ham if it's 40% water? No, no, water no. no? It's, oh, it's yeah, it's a ham-like no. product. Right. Okay. Well, okay.
1: technically you can't call it ham unless it has ham muscle. But you anyway. would use but,
0: soy protein blend to make a ham? Well, we were just experimenting
2: with binding. How would you get it was, in there, though? No, it was a chopped and formed. It was ah, a chopped and okay. formed. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, yeah that's only you can do formed. 40%. Like yeah. a lunch meat, like a loaf type thing. Gotcha. That's probably what you'd call it.
1: Yeah, it was a loaf.
2: Yeah. So, and, and what was great about like Burns Flat and, and it's that way too about the state conventions, but, but certainly Burns Flat, we would have, you know, we'd make this product and then, you know, be in there during the day. Well, then everybody (laughs) stayed in the same hotel at like a holiday inn. So we'd go back to the holiday inn then, and then everybody would meet downstairs, um, you know, we, th- I think we'd have dinner as a group or whatever. And then we'd meet downstairs afterwards. There was a little area down there that people would bring their iced tea down to. And we would sit around and and Sip talk tea. and yeah. Oh and, yeah. And talk sure. about <clears throat> drink non-alcoholic beer. I think they call it the pay zone. It was <laughs> the pay zone because <laughs> <laughs> they had horse races. <laughs> and, and, we, and we would, t- but it was so awesome because there's 20 people. Around, you know, to move chairs around and tables around. There's 20 people sitting in a circle talking about, oh, yeah, I made this and this is how it turned out. Don't ever do this. And um the two or three hours we'd sit down there every night was as informative as what we spent in the classroom. And John, you got to imagine this was
1: years before technology. I mean, we had candles and gas stoves, <laughs> but
2: we were cool. getting notebooks. There was, I mean, we were using
1: bar napkins. Yeah, And it was cool because I'll, I'll never forget one time they were talking about voids and hams. And this one guy goes, yeah, I always just take my competition hams and put them in my vac machine and draw a vac on them. People were grabbing napkins and scribbling notes down. I remember that was one of the most written down notes. Guys that have been in this business forever were writing that down. And that's just what it was. Guys sitting around drinking out of curd jars and sharing ideas and people making notes on napkins. And sometimes in the morning, guys would be looking at their notes and they'd go, hey, What was I writing here? (laughs) But that's where most of the time, that's why I tell people all the time, go to social events and talk to people. Because so much knowledge is just when people get casual, they talk to each other. And these, these people that are in our industry, they're the same people that put up with the crazy crap every day that you do. And so they like to talk. They like to share the stories. And with some exceptions, with some exceptions, a lot of these people don't look at each other as competition. Yep. You know, uh, I'm I'm proud of Missouri because those guys truly believe in raising the bar. I mean, they will help anybody because they believe in making Missouri one of the highest levels of quality meat processing. And so they're always doing classes. They're always helping other people out. They may not give Grandma's secret formula to sure. somebody, but they'll certainly help them out with processing questions. Um, there was a plant that had a fire. And it was just incredible. Within a day, there were plants saying, hey, I can bring this, I can bring this, you know, what can we do? And and there's the camaraderie, it's not just Missouri, almost all the states have associations that really believe in helping each other out and believe in raising the integrity and quality of products. And and they'll do that, but they'll you you can't just absorb it through osmosis. You gotta go ask, you gotta go talk to people.
0: So as far as between the two of you. Any idea on how many states you've been to with conventions?
2: Uh, I don't rough yeah, guess I have to think. I don't know. Twelve fifteen. I think that's between the two of you. That's a good
1: solid oh, well but Yeah. No, but like I Curtis mean, went to Pennsylvania. We've never been to Pennsylvania, but Curtis went, so yeah. that counts.
2: Yeah. Well I know yeah. I know one year, several years ago, I think before when before Dylan got out of college and I did eight myself one year and I said, I am never doing that again. That was too many eight weekends in the spring.
0: <clears throat> yeah, that's insane. That's just yeah, a lot of like traveling.
2: every weekend I was going somewhere and sometimes with because a lot of times we worked conventions together when there wasn't that many people around here. Brett keeps me out of trouble and gets me out of jail. Yeah.
0: What's the furthest you've ever gone for a state convention?
2: Montana, Oregon. Oh. Washington, oh, well, that's right. You've yeah. done the Northwest one up there, yeah. yeah.
0: That's fairly Montana far for me. Yeah, flyer drive,
2: flew. But yeah, then I drive. had to drive two and oh. a, almost
1: three hours from Portland there. to yeah. get to where they had it.
2: John, mine was in Missoula, and I did drive. So, So yeah, okay. but you stopped did you it, along. Did the way. you do it the whole
0: <laughs> shot in one like we no. did? No, no, well, I was I by myself, and I was oh,
2: ca- I was okay. calling on customers. That's too. That's fair. I, and then I spent a week driving around Montana calling on customers. afterwards and then drove back yeah we didn't do that yeah you guys were just driving up and driving back are the you missed the rest of the beautiful state driving around it was really awesome
0: we definitely did Mm -hmm. we definitely did but what we saw was so ridiculously gorgeous i mean Mm -hmm. it it, that held me over for a couple of months but i need to see either mountains or some lakes that i want to swim in again
1: there are some that's just one cool thing about
0: traveling, man. You see some great things. Mm-hmm. No, okay. I so thought he was going to say there are some mountains in Kansas, and I
2: was going to argue Mount that. Sunflower.
0: Yeah, there's the overpass for the highway. <laughs> there's the lagoon in the back. You know, there's
2: there's just not. You know, a lot. I, I get mad when I go to other states and it's too hilly. I'm like, this is a this again. Oh my god, how are these people living <laughs> I like know. this? Well, it's fun to visit, like in the mountains? But then I get home and I can actually see again. I like to see. <laughs> I it doesn't matter when you're down on my level,
0: you're, you see the same distance all the time. I imagine
1: from up there. When we lived in Pennsylvania, it's like, there's a mountain. And you go either around or over, there's another mountain. And our whole life was living in valleys because they're just freaking old mountains everywhere.
0: They're pretty, but they got old after a while. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, so one of the things uh, this past year, was that this? That was this year. Um, I got to go to Iowa State um, to take a dried sausage short course. So it was a three or four day, four day. Um, and it was from, uh, Dr. Terry Hauser was the, is the head of the meat lab up there. Dr. Hauser or Hauser used to be Kansas state meat lab. Mm. So it's interesting to see, cause I did talk to him about that. Uh, there's a rivalry between these colleges, but Jeff Sindelar, who's the head of the Wisconsin Meat Lab came down and also taught classes at
2: this Iowa State mm-hmm. thing. So it, and both those guys went to Iowa State, and where it burns flat, that's when we met them. Really? Uh huh. Oh, that was quite a bit of knowledge right
0: there in that room then, oh, yeah. or at least what developed into. Yeah, they were knowledge. young then; they didn't know what they know yeah, now. Well, they know a ridiculous <laughs> amount now. Yes, they do. Terry's very; he's a great speaker. Obviously, really, really friendly. His one of the more engaging smiles, like. That I've ever seen. It's like he just sits there and smiles like this. And it's like, okay, I can talk to this guy. But Cindelar is like a computer. Like he just keeps shooting out that information. I'm like, man, I can't write this fast. Well,
1: Cindelar, I well, love Hefe. We've been friends Frank forever. God. But he speaks that way continuously, even when you're just talking about tractors or olden songs, where Hauser, for lack of a better term, is one of the best street level teachers, professors you'll ever meet. And he brings it down to where you can understand it. Still technical, Mm. but it's accessible. I went to a three-day class at the University of Wisconsin. And I think I would have rather had your three-day class at (laughs) Isle with Hauser.
0: Trying to understand what he's talking about. Yeah, Yeah, You have to have a a good base knowledge to understand what he's talking about.
2: Yeah, I Um, I think right off the top of my head, there's three of the guys that came through that program that at Iowa State that we're teaching down at Burns Flat um that are running universities now one one's Iowa State one's Wisconsin and one's Penn State
0: so you're familiar with like the uh the coaching tree like Nick Saban's uh-huh. coaching tree yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm.
2: there's almost like a Burns Doc, Flat yeah Dr. Cordray who mm-hmm. ran Iowa State for many years yeah it's Dr. Cordray's tree
1: huh mm-hmm.
2: well okay. also and there's other people. It but was also
1: because he had one of, at the time, one of the premier doctoral programs right. in the United States right. for meat science.
0: Is it, my understanding <clears throat> is it really is Iowa State, Wisconsin. Those are kind of the premier meat labs in the country. Is that Jonathan's accurate? Jonathan's putting
1: together a heck of a program at Pennsylvania.
2: Um, well, I mean, I, I mean, they, you know, they... Well, they probably are. I mean, they have a lot of name recognition, but I mean, there's a lot of other, you know, K-State, Missouri, Oklahoma State, you know.
1: You know, and there's, there's high schools and junior colleges. Um, there's a couple Christian colleges that have nice meat programs going in. They're actually expanding now. I I, yeah. I think it all goes to really the quality instructor. Sure. Not yeah, well, absolutely. The I mean,
2: Carolina's uh, doctor. Um, yeah, who's your friend? Oh, from uh, Carolina, North Carolina. Oh, Dana, Hanson. Hanson, Dr. Hanson. Hanson and Henson. Oh, he spoke. He spoke spoke here here before. Yeah, before, Dr. Henson, out at
1: California,
2: uh, in California. Uh, Maybe there's, you know, that's one thing people don't think about. There's a lot of universities that have meat science programs.
0: Have you talked to any of these heads of department about what their students are like? Because Dr. Hauser and I talked about that one specific thing about it. 90% of his class are female. He's -hmm. like, these are going to be who are going to be running your plants in the next, you know, 15, 20 years. It's like, it's just don't know what's causing it, you know, but it's an interesting thing. Hmm. Just kind of made me perk up a little bit. It was like, huh, that could be an interesting change. change. Um, Do you want to talk at all about September?
1: I mean... I was gonna say something. Oh, Go ahead. Yeah, sure. yeah. Well, only because you know, we're talking about education, the quality of education. And when Burns Flat shut down, there was a void. And Brett saw that void and wanted to try to recreate that educational opportunity for our customers. So Brett started having what's called the Walton's Open House Educational Session. And 2015? was the first one oh
2: no a bit more than that longer than that 30. i got to look at my it was fire. in the old building yeah we've been oh, here 10 wow. years yeah. we actually went over the
1: hotel yeah. sat well, in the lobby of the, sat so, in the.
2: so it would have been before <clears throat> 2012.
1: okay but every two years we bring in doctors from across the united states and and other people business uh people and have a one-day class for our customers where we try to provide them what we call very relevant and pertinent information and it's our hope someday that we can create an additional day and, and try to have a more of a Burns Flat atmosphere. But it's a great education opportunity. We've had a lot of very, very positive feedback. We have a lot of people to come multiple years. So kudos for Brett for taking the initiative and the expense to continue the education of the industry
0: do you know who you're having and if you don't want to say that what they're going to be speaking on this we're show?
1: having a couple of doctors from corbion coming in talking about listeria oh. both in the product in the plant carcass okay. intervention plant intervention um gentleman named hughes coming in to talk about tax deductions um we have dr hauser good he's coming in about most of his economics um carcass economics as far as harvesting how to cool it um, some parts of the carcass don't need to be aged for 14 days and people are actually doing different things with uh, having carcasses and quartering them and bringing different parts out earlier to process so you utilize cooler space um, abby with amp has come in to do some of the final updates on appendix a and b because that mm-hmm. finalizes in december and we have uh the gentleman who owned Walnut Valley coming in, uh, they took a dilapidated plant, made it a premier meat processing plant, opened a couple other meat markets and talking about expanding your business. And 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 one of the things they're going to talk about is, in the, and Terry's going to talk about it too, is just making sure that you understand what goes into a product before you price a product so that, you know, if you're putting labor and cost of $5 into a sausage. You can't sell it for two fifty five. <laughs> right, So it's going to be an interesting class. And again, we always try to have a business class. Uh, we always try to have a plant come in. Again, we always just try to look at... Listeria has been popping up continuously. We're having stories about listeria problems. So we really wanted to address that. And it's a multifaceted problem in that, you know, coming on a carcass, it goes on the floor, you drag it with wheels or feet to other parts of the plant. If you're not careful, then it gets into your food products. So we really wanted to cover cradle to grave on listeria and make sure we cover that. So should be an interesting and valuable session.
0: It sounds like it. Now, you have a hard out in a couple of minutes. Is that correct? Is that still no.
2: accurate? Oh, oh, okay. Um, I just didn't. I, I wasn't going to go on for two hours. Okay,
0: we will time. prevent that. But <coughs> I do have a couple other things I want to okay. talk about. But you were. It sounded like you were about to say something before I pointed at my.
2: CEO no, I was just gonna off. say that, you know, uh Kurt's credited me for the idea. I don't know if that was true or not, but uh he does all the work <laughs> and puts it all together. That's <laughs> the um, best way to do so, it. So yeah, so and, and but I you did a really nice job there of explaining the one th- the 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 pattern that we try to follow every time we do this is one of our processor customers to talk about what they do in their place, somebody from a university that can talk technical stuff. Somebody from uh, the manufacturing world, this case the guys talking about listeria, um, and then somebody that would teach a business deal. That's we've got a guy coming in talking about um, some depreciation things that uh, maybe some of our customers are missing. Okay. So we try to touch all those four things, and and then we bring in uh, different people. Almost every time we've got a few. Terry's actually done it before, so we've had a couple of people do it after you know several times of them not being here, then we might ask them to come back in again. But uh, fortunately we've been blessed with, with knowing a lot of people in the industry after 25 years. So we have a pretty good uh, um, uh, number of folks that we can draw from to and bring it's cool in. And we'll
1: actually have doctors go, you doing it this year? Mm-hmm. Can I do it? Yeah. Is We're, it my turn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, So since it's that getting to be that time, two times ago when we did it um we the first night we have a a dinner prepared for the attendees in the back Mm -hmm. put out some tables everyone comes around there and and eats it um so four years ago because we do it every other year i injected a bunch of brisket with paul's black bowl put it in a vacuum tumbler and then smoked it unfortunately i wasn't able to be here to try that but one of the things I hang my hat on is your father telling me that that was the best brisket that he's ever had. So I will he lies. never he forget drunk. that. He yeah. was, was stone cold sober. He, he
2: was, he was, not, he was he, not drinking. My dad wouldn't have been drinking. He didn't have his <laughs> teeth. <in that>. He <laughs> was yeah. dead
0: serious. He said that was the best brisket I've ever had. I said, you know, <clears> it was all me. It's that it wasn't easy. wasn't the seasoning or the
2: equipment. Isn't it was, it that it's that easy with pause. It's just love. Pause can make you look so... So awesome. much better than yes. you are, I
0: know um okay then a, a, another question something that's come up a bunch in the last six months or so is this rash of uh meat processing plant fires? Um, my take on it has been fairly consistent. The numbers kind of look alarming, but I think there's some manipulation on going going in and what's being included with it um, I think it's just. The system has been stressed to the point where people are overworked, uh, understaffed, and probably just haven't had time to replace equipment.
2: I haven't Black, even heard of any fires. Black
1: helicopters. So. PETA. Uh,
0: Wait, are you serious? <clears throat> you haven't even heard of this?
1: There, there's been a rash, but what you find is, and I'm making this number up, but you're going to find the majority of the fires happen in smokehouses. Creosite buildup in older smokehouses that use a lot of hardwood or a lot of sawdust. They don't clean the pipes out well enough. Part of what you're saying is true. They're running the snot out of them. They're mm-hmm. running, well, that's going to heat them up. And that's where you find a lot of your fires are happening or in smokehouse flues where that creosite will drip. Yeah. Um, I had a guy burn an oven up, but he had a, it was an older oven that had a lower heat pan. He had a bunch of fat hams in it and just greased it yeah. out and blew it up.
2: I guess we did have one in Kansas, and it was a smokehouse issue. Bonita? No. Clay Center.
1: Oh, Bonita. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Bonita's blew up. was so gas blew her across the plant. We sold her an oven.
2: It was gas? hmm Yeah. So, yeah. In, in, my, <clears throat> in my knowledge that I can think of in the last, yeah, however many years, almost every one that I know of was a smokehouse.
0: I mean, obviously, But that, that goes, like sense. I
1: said, it does play into your theory, though. A lot of them are over, you know, they're running them nonstop. And so that stuff's getting hot. And So
2: I think. So that, probably what people should just remember is if they're worried about that, call us up and buy a new smokehouse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the best plan. Yeah, but, you know, it,
2: it's small
1: ovens, too. I had a customer burn up a pro smoker. Same thing. He had it overloaded with bacon's. And it just greased up and started a oh. grease fire. I mean, you got to know the capacity. you got to keep things clean.
0: Yeah. Yep. Jumping back a little bit. You mm-hmm. said you made a, a sausage with 40% fat. Mm-hmm. So my understanding is that anything really over too much over 30%, your fat's going to render out for the most part anyways. Do you remember doing anything specific to...
2: No, no. a long
0: time ago. Okay. I don't remember. Okay.
1: It was a smoked sausage. It wasn't a fresh sausage. And so it was mixed really well. And I'm sure there was a binder in but it. Must too. have been a binder. Yeah. I did that to the queen. I made her a 10% sausage because she wanted it leaner. She could have said, it's it just too dry. And I yeah.
0: yeah.
1: So I convinced her that fat's good.
0: So my wife, you know, used to be a vegetarian. She was the enemy when I first started working here. I now have her eating steak. So mm-hmm. I've made. Like I've won for the most part, (laughs) but I can't get her to eat sausage. She just refuses. I think she can't get around it mentally for some reason. So she buys these like fake sausage things, right? Like Uh kielbasa. And I told her that's not going to be available for much longer. Like you're not paying enough attention to what's happening with food or with supply chain stuff. That is going to be removed from your diet. You know, they're not going to sell it anymore. Sure enough, it happened. I kept the package have all the ingredients i'm like i could make this like i can make this for you no like, wait i can make it taste
2: Does just as good pork? as that uh you can make it a lot of beef though i mean i can
0: make it out of the nonsense ingredients that she makes it out of i mean i can do it she's oh. just not
2: my
1: daughter in turkey sausage it. so i made a sausage using turkey skins and dark meat they didn't like it that much so, I made another sausage using white breast meat of turkey and pork fat. Mm-hmm. They really like that, that that's one. It. Yeah. Then that's they it. They really got pissed and I told them there's pork fat in it. But, I mean, pork fat's magic. When I teach those classes, I tell people there's an equation. that salt plus fat equals flavor. And if you ever make a good turkey sausage, use turkey breast and pork fat. It's incredible.
0: There is no substitute <clears throat> for it. Every wild game sausage I've made that's been, like, really, really good – And I'm thinking specifically of pheasant and goose uh, and deer. Always add pork fat. It's just nothing else replicates it. Mm -hmm. It's just not as good.
1: beef fat has a place. Not a lot of it. I mean, if you blend it, but beef fat holds a lot more water. It adds a little more density. So if you're using a lot of softer meats, I don't recommend ever, ever making a sausage out of 100% beef fat. But there are some properties of beef fat if used wisely can 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 contribute i like making sausage 60 40 and leaving a little extra fat on the beef and then using almost all fat pork trim for the pork part but i i poo poo beef fat a lot Mm -hmm. but there are places for it
0: so if you are making a 60 40 um what cuts from beef specifically do you like
1: i use everything whole muscle
0: just Mm, anything whatever i can get doesn't matter okay
1: just uh, we we don't get roast anymore when we process our animals. So I'll just see what's marked down at the grocery store and go, this is going in the Same grinder. Yeah, it could be idea. anything. It's usually brown and greasy or brown and runny and marked down and it's sausage. Tastes just as good. Yeah. Yep. There's still life in
0: it. Sausage absolutely is a huge part of the meat industry. We take all of these, we, They take all of these less desirable cuts and make a product that feeds millions of people a day.
1: Well, it depends on, I mean, and that's what you got to be careful with. When you feed the masses, you're extending it a lot. I mean, you look at the label and it's a lot of mechanically separated. It's blends. I try to tell my customers when you're making a sausage, think of it as a roast in a casing try very hard to sell it as a roast in a case. And now if you're selling an economy sausage, then blend it. You know, extend it as far as you want, but you got to understand you're selling quality and you got to differentiate yourself.
0: Can you talk a little about you're saying blend it, but I don't think a lot of people um, understand what you're Using pork,
1: using chicken, using um trim meat instead of, you know, the whole muscle itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just blending different products. You're using an extender, a binder of some type. Look on the ingredient deck and you see water start to climb up a little bit higher. Sometimes it's so much where the water actually has to be broken out and listed on the label separately. Um, <clears throat> but I really emphasize to my customers, it's, it's a roast in a case and keep that mentality. That's what I do when I make it. You get a nice bite, it's going to be consistent. And like, well, I can tell my lovely wife, this isn't you know, Oscar Meyer, this is right. Sorry to Oscar Meyer for underwriting this
0: program. Patrick. He's a huge bologna guy. I'm a bologna guy. No, but
1: see, I like bologna, but I have a customer I buy it from and it's roast in
0: a casing. Bar S kind of guy when it comes to bologna. (laughs) You take that Oscar Meyer noise. I love fried bologna. (laughs) Gee, many Christmas. That's it's probably like the Bud Light of bologna though. Right. So it's like, we're all used to the flavor. Maybe don't appreciate it, but to replicate it on that, scale and quantity right probably very difficult so, yeah i would imagine that you and least. i need to
1: i've got a formula i want to make bacon bologna and i've got the formula for it but the math is a pain in the butt yeah trying to break the belly down and then making that part of the meat block
0: so the bacon's already been injected and mm-hmm. but not cooked I hate that parts per million. Well, no, I don't care about
1: the nitrates. Oh, you got to okay. take, you gotta, you're got. you using the fat content of the bacon. So if, oh, your, bacon's, part, yeah, that's if your bacon's 70-30 and it's this percentage of this meat block, then taking the math of this meat block and combining it so that your fat content stays about 30. That we
0: can do, no problem. It's the parts per million stuff. Dylan has some spreadsheet. It. Oh, yeah. That with a spreadsheet, he could not explain to me how to do it. He wrote it some formula out on our board over there it might still be there. And I eventually I just went, okay, okay, cool. I think I got it. Cause so I, I was have, like, I'm, this is never going to penetrate my skulls. So I had to use
1: the same spreadsheet of customers getting busted by their inspectors. So we had to adjust his formulation to get his parts per million down where they'd pass and let his meat go through.
0: So I know we talked about this last time inspectors, some can be a little bit rough to deal with. <clears throat> Do, uh, Do processors have any recourse against that? Do they have someone they can go to and be like, hey, my inspector is really being overbearing here?
1: Brett and I had the same line all the time. If your inspector says something's wrong, say, you know, my brain's this big. Help me out and show me the reg. Now, if they can show you the reg like this inspector did, then you have to figure it out because he was wrong. But if if it's something that sounds nitpicky, ask them to show you the regulation. It's a cFR regulation if they can show it to you then then you have to figure out if that's if you have recourse to it, but a lot of times they can't show you the reg
0: okay, so there was uh we had pheasant fest earlier this year, which is the big pheasant forever and uh, quail forever uh sorry uh show uh, and we were handing out samples part of that comes with we have to have. Some paperwork filled out, we have to have a hand washing station and some inspectors come around and That's health you know, department though. Right, right. I, I, I have a, a point I'm going with here. As they were talking to me, because I was running that, uh, I asked them, I'm like, what would you like us to do? And after it, Brett came up to me and goes, let me give you one tip. He goes, never ask them what you or ne- never say what do you want me to do just stay silent and answer their questions. I was like, yeah, that obviously. So I'm assuming it's the same thing with the inspector. Like you don't mm-hmm. wanna go to them saying like, hey, I'm having you know, this problem. What do you want me to do to fix it? Instead, just answer their questions and address their issues yeah
2: and you know customers get, develop relationships with their inspectors uh, you know our customers develop that relationship whether it's good or it's bad mm. you know sometimes and sometimes it's just you know some people don't get along i mean we all don't get along with everybody and sometimes it just so happens your inspector is the <laughs> person that you has that personality that you clash with so i've seen that happen but i've seen other cases where yeah, plant operators can go to and go. Hey, I'm going to do this, and you go with all this, and you know. So that can't happen. It can happen. Yeah, both ways. Uh, I've seen it both ways. Huh? But yeah, I just, I just have learned as a um, small business owner that anytime I'm dealing with somebody that is um, uh, some kind of a inspection, that I try to not give any more information i just answer their questions whether because as a small business and anybody out there that listening that has it knows it's you know whether it's health inspectors or fire inspectors or whoever um yeah it's better to just kind of keep quiet
0: yeah and brett about once every six months i see him walking around i'm coming into the studio kitchen and looking on the ground he's looking for uh extension cords that are plugged in permanently uh any like space heaters so you keep a keep an eye on that now obviously you don't want your building to burn he's down, looking so. for space spaces too tight to pay the electric bill <laughs> no that's not accurate <laughs> that is not accurate okay so okay. as far as being uh our target customer which is the small mom and pop butcher shop processing plant that type of thing to build a uh knowledge base what are some of the best tips that you could could give is it really join amp go to classes
2: well that's the first thing i can think of okay then join your state association state association yeah and then and then amp and you know obviously use us uh we we developed this you know you get to spend a lot of time helping the home processors and helping them with knowledge. And part of that though is with commercial guys too, that also watch some of the stuff that you put out, um, through the through the, uh, whether it's the videos or live sure. streams or whatever, and answering questions. Um, but all that's, I don't, well, probably not true all of it, but most of what you're talking about, you've picked up from somewhere else in here yeah. that somebody else has picked up from going to all these classes that we went through over the years. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of information that's available. A lot of information is available from us, whether you know starting out, watching the videos that you've done online that we put out there. And, and then certainly if they're a commercial customer, they'll, they'll have a salesman assigned to them. And, uh, there's, you know, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys in that sales office that have a lot of knowledge too.
1: A
0: lot of years of experience mm-hmm. in there.
2: Yeah.
1: A lot of my customers watch meet jistics they get a lot, and I even tell people, you know, if you got a question, look at this. you know, I can tell you how to do it, but why don't you pull up that topic on meatgistics, and they'll show you how to do it. But like Brett said, and the other thing I try to encourage people all the time is look for your state universities, the meat labs. A lot of them will have classes. You know you just have to avail yourself to any opportunity you have to learn because it doesn't happen all the time, so when it does it drives me crazy, guys, yeah, I can't take off, really? You know what? You can't afford not to take All right.
0: Yeah. Short-term expense, long-term, going to save you money. Yep. But that, unfortunately, is the way it is. Um, So, this year, everything all has been sent out. Everything, I assume at least, all spots are taken for... No,
1: still got spots. Take anybody, everybody. How would one go about... Well, it's well.
2: You, you're not taking anybody and everybody.
0: <laughs> oh, it's reservation only.
2: Yeah. Or, uh, well, it's inundation. no. It, it's it would be for commercial meat processors. Okay. Somebody that's this is in full time like commercial meat processors. Yeah. And and then yeah, and then they would need to get a hold of a salesman and talk about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: That makes sense. Yep. You wouldn't want anyone in off the street. Well, no, it but it's also
1: it's a subject matter. Though yeah. this isn't yeah. applicable to a lot of people off the street. Right, this, yeah. this is specifically designed to commercial processors.
0: See, that's what somewhat worries me because you've told me that before. That some commercial guys watch some of the megestic stuff. Huh. Like that is definitely more geared to the the home. Like wa- the surprised. amount of water that we add, the ingredients we use. It
2: just. The basics apply to both.
1: Yeah, I mean, but how you're you mixing get, it, how you're stuffing it. There's right. a lot of the the you know when the additives and That's stuff. The when you guys talk about erythorbate, when you talk about citric acid, I mean, there's just a lot of good, valuable information you
2: provide out there. That it's the starting point. It's
1: a launching point.
2: Well, and I've had home processors ask me about what judges look for in competition. They're not going to enter their product in competition. They want to make a really good-looking product to share with their family and friends so their friends can go, that thing looks amazing. You know, and it's simple things like a home guy. You know what? Maybe you don't care, but
1: maybe you don't put the product so close together in a smokehouse they touch. Maybe you keep your hood clean so it doesn't drip on it because you do want to thump your chest and say, look at that. So you can teach them how to make a better product, teach them how to hang it neatly so so it smokes evenly and consistently all the way through. You know, it's not a competition, but there's a lot to thump in your chest and saying, look what I did.
0: Absolutely. There's no better feeling than making something awesome, bringing it around to, well, here or at home and having people say, that's amazing. You know, make me more of that, please. Um, Well, maybe there are better feelings, but that's one of my favorite ones. Um, But I mean,
1: when you're talking competition, it's, it's funny what you look for. I mean, you'll hear the judges talk about it. When it gets right down to it, flavor's a big portion, but they'll look at casings and they'll look at how that staple is and they'll want that staple dead center and then how did you trim it off and is there any meat where you trimmed it off mm-hmm. did you leave the string on it you know th- when it gets down to it then you know once you get past the common you st- it's a
0: beauty contest. yeah so we went to uh we my department no- doesn't normally go to the national uh, convention but we went when it was in oklahoma city patrick and i did and one of the things that we were just shocked by was the number of disqualifications. How many people were disqualified for not following like some small but obviously important to somebody rule? Well, it's the weight. You know, they, and
1: it specifically says it's not like you show up and they go, oh, by the way, they're very specific in the rule. So things have to be a certain length. There has to be a certain quantity. Case or sausage have to be a certain weight. Mm-hmm. Casings have to be. You know, some competitions say they have to be a clear casing. Right. Some say they have to be a specific type of casing. You can't have a casing with your name on it. That's kind of obvious. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, <laughs> so, you know, they, there's, there's certain rules, but they're all very, very clearly written out. And, that, and you hear the judges, I mean, they're almost in tears. They're lamenting, guys, I had to disqualify this. Please follow the rules so we don't have to do this next year.
0: Yeah, and I imagine you can't let any of those rules fly because there's can. a lot of pride well, running Well, bottom on line, one of the play.
1: funniest ones was <laughs> the judge goes up goes, fellas, it's been this way since the dawn of time. Hot links have red casing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, it's uh, in the rule. He goes, it's just, you know, he, he, he wasn't sad. He was mad because yeah. he had to disqualify someone for not having a red casing but the rules are very specific how they're thermal processed you, you know what what the cooking temperatures are there's some very explicit rules you have to follow and
0: how would they know that though
1: you write it down oh okay i mean that's what's funny one of the the old world sausages the dry cured those were disqualified in the past because they weren't thermal processed and they weren't they've actually started i mean i remember there was a competition where they disallowed them because they couldn't show that they met critical c- cooking points mm.
2: And they're like, are you crazy? This is delicious. But so if you think about it in those competitions, um, you know, certainly the state, but absolutely the, the national convention is a grand champion there. I mean, it, you just get a plaque. It's not like you get money, but you take that plaque back home. You put in a news release to the local papers and you put it up in your uh, in your retail section. that Hey, you know, our Billy Bratwurst won grand champion. At, in the National Association. I can, That's a big deal. I can thump my
1: chest and pat my back. One of my brand new customers, been working with him, helping him out, entered a bacon in the Missouri State Fair, took Grand Champion. Really? He said the next day he had a guy call and said, hey, I saw you won Grand Champion, bringing in five hogs. <laughs> like, yeah. "So what's that, what's that worth? Yeah. yeah. And, he, and they haven't even released it yet. He just was at the fair and saw that it won I knew it when yeah. it closes, the fair closes this weekend. they'll have all the publicity go out. And I told him I said, good. I mean this guy's brand spanking new and I'm proud of him he won a couple other plaques too and what state? Missouri Missouri
0: oh, and, yeah uh, well, Missouri. So state that fair.
1: that made me feel good that you know he asked a lot of questions. He worked hard and he developed the product and won Missouri State Fair. and like Brett said, it's already, it's already having benefits and it will have more because everyone has a press release. AMP has a press release that you can fill out and send out to local papers. And we always tell people, man, as soon as you win, you know, make sure you let them know and they'll put it out there. That Everyone wants public interest.
0: There are no names. I'm looking at you specifically for this in case you know this person's name. I heard a story about this past most recent amp and a bacon that was entered and then reclaimed sure. do you guys not know this story oh
1: Late on so what is it?
0: interesting that was reclaimed uh-huh so somebody submitted bacon and then at the end of the cured meat championships my understanding at least is they allow people to come in and like- That was Missouri. That was Missouri? That's a few
1: years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought this year. No, no. We it. were standing in the- Me and a couple of the doctors were standing eating dry-aged sausage. Judy O'Downey had brought in and putting it in our pockets and taking it. And a processor came running in and goes, where's the bacons? And they go, yeah, well, the bacons, you know, we can't give those to the food banks. So they're being thrown away. And he goes,
0: I got to find the bacons. That was a custom bacon. <laughs> custom bacon? so that maybe we talked about that last time and that's why it's did. that fresh in my mind yeah, okay I think so. okay that's interesting all right do you have anything else you want to cover
2: no i think that's it we better cut us off yeah <laughs> i actually behaved myself we're, today we're
0: gonna... uh, listen i hate ipas but that wasn't bad no man i think the hot from the inferno brought and the ghost pepper this was nice to cut that so i think that's why i enjoyed it yeah normally i would hate it too bad no one will hear what you said because i'm gonna bleep that out john said he hates ipas
1: (laughs) (laughs) the world's not supposed to know that yeah no the
0: world knows that i hate that and the
1: fact that he likes sours i bleep that out too the fact that he likes sours i mean yeah right
0: (laughs) i'm gonna find this beer and bring it in for you one of these days it is absolutely amazing best sour i've ever had anyways We'll talk about that later. I'll
1: drink a blood orange IPA. That's kind of a sour. Not really. No,
0: it's not. It's not. Um, I think the reason both of you want to drink NAs is because you're trying to slim down for the dunk tank on Saturday. Too late for that, John. (laughs) Yeah. It's not. Just dehydrate yourself. Not crazy. There's not a whole lot of weight going to be gone between now and Saturday. Drinking nothing but uh, cranberry juice between now and then. Okay. If you made it this far with us, thanks for watching. Thank you. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit waltons.com and meetjustics.com for everything but the meat. Leave us a review. It really does help. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Great job. It fun. Pleasure. Thanks
1: for the sausage and the beer.
0: Oh, real quick. On that sausage, I sous vide it first and then just real quick hit it on a really, really hot grill. That seems to be a good way to do it.
2: It worked good. Good sausage. I like it.
0: Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Pat. Thank you. Thanks for checking out the MeatGistics podcast. To shop everything but the meat, head on over to waltonsinc.com. And to get your meat processing questions answered by experts and enthusiasts alike, head on over to our online community at meatgistics.com. Waltons, everything but the meat.